Welcome to the Learn It Podcast, where we come together as employees, managers, executives, and learning champions from across the globe to take time to focus on our professional development. Stay tuned to listen and learn from Learn It expert instructors and the Learn It community about a variety of subjects key to success in today's workplace. Whether you're here to upskill, reskill, or simply learn something new, sit tight and let's get ready to learn. All right, everyone. So uh, here in the United States, or there in the United States, I'm in Canada, and uh, in Canada and in the UK and in uh, the United States, we're celebrating Black History Month. And as we're beginning this conversation on inclusive leadership at work, I want to take a moment and acknowledge uh, one of my own Black history heroes. Now, for me, those three words, Black history heroes, uh, that's a big deal. I don't take those words lightly. And for me, when I think of Black history hero, it conjures up my visions of my late granddaddy. My late granddaddy was proud that he was the deacon of his church, the Church of St. Delight in Bath, North Carolina, population 249. And granddaddy used to say in his raspy and booming voice, he'd say, give me my flowers now while I'm alive to enjoy them while I can see their beautiful colors, while I can smell their great smell. And he said, give them to me now because after I'm gone, I'm too late. Now, when granddaddy said those words, it was usually in the hot, sweltering, rickety old church in Buford County, the church that had was uh, licensed to have 50 people in it, but it always had at least 75 people in it and another 50 people outside listening you know, in the hot sun, listening to that great magical choir that we had. And what he would, when he would speak, it would usually be followed by an amen or you tell him deacon. Now I'm not expecting you to yell out an amen or you tell him deacon, because I'm not a deacon, but I wanted to presence my granddaddy as one of my black history heroes. Now I've tried my best through my life to live for my granddaddy's mantra and give people their flowers while they're here to enjoy them. And I've tried my best to acknowledge people who make a difference. And I've tried to recognize them right now in the present versus waiting for that perfect right moment, you know, that perfect right moment that I hope will come later that I can really acknowledge him because if you haven't noticed that perfect right moment, it never comes. So I'm sharing about my granddaddy as an example of one of my personal black history heroes, one of those brave people who led the way for you and me to become the kind of person that we say we are today. Now, another way, you know, this is inclusive leadership at work, I know, and you may not have come here even to acknowledge Black History Month, but as a way of actually having this conversation resonate with you, Another way for you to get in touch with this and personalize this conversation is to bring to mind your everyday heroes. Bring to mind that person or those people that actually helped shape you into the person you are. Well, I invite you to, um, out of today, one thing to do is to look to acknowledge people that have made a difference in your life, uh, whether they be Black history heroes or people that came before us or someone that you consider an everyday hero. Uh, thank you for giving me that moment to presence Black History Month as we kick off inclusive leadership at work. Now, from experience, I know that when we're talking about this topic, inclusive leadership, 
and we're talking about who I'm being and we're giving people an opportunity to do a self-assessment. And we could be touching on some topics that hit a nerve with you. And I'm inviting you to step into a space by um, poet Mickey Scott Bay Jones. Some of you may have heard of Mickey Scott Bay Jones and her poem that she has called An Invitation to Brave Space. So I'm inviting you to Brave Space. Together, we will create Brave Space because there's no such thing as a safe space. We exist in the real world. We all carry scars and we've all caused wounds. In this space, we seek to turn down the volume of the outside world. We amplify voices that fight to be heard elsewhere. We call each other to more truth and love. We have the right to start somewhere and continue to grow. We have the responsibility to examine what we think we know. We will not be perfect. This space will not be perfect. It will not always be what we wish it to be, but it will be our brave space together and we will work on it side by side. All right, well, let's jump right in. Here's our agenda for today. We're gonna to jump into in a moment, giving you an opportunity for a self-assessment. How inclusive are you? So have your pen and paper ready or have your computer ready to capture that in a few moments. We'll also define inclusive leadership. There's a lot out there on that term. Uh, and we, we wanna have a working definition that we can work from. And why inclusive leadership matters? And we'll look at the warning signs and we'll actually look at the unintended consequences. And then we'll look at the dominant traits of an inclusive leader. And we'll also leave you with actions and tactics that you can take on to practice. All right, everyone, so let's jump in. <clears throat> How inclusive are you? So before we get to the, uh, the, the uh, conversation and give you an opportunity for self-assessment, here are some guidelines and some important notes. First, this is not a test, all right? So this, this is not intended to be a test like you're gonna pass it and you can run down the hall, hey, I passed, I'm inclusive, or I failed. No, this is not that. Also, there are no right or wrong answers. Another thing to keep in mind is the questions that we're asking are intended to provoke your thinking and they're intended to stimulate your self-awareness. As we'll come to see later on, self-awareness, one's ability to be self-aware of their strengths as well as their weaknesses and their opportunities is a key attribute of being an effective inclusive leader. So we're out to provoke you. Another thing to keep in mind as we go through the self-assessment is be authentic. Avoid the pull to try to look good, or avoid the pull that you don't want to look bad. No one's, you don't have to share this with anybody. This is only for you. Now, to make this real and not to have this be hypothetical, I request you literally pull out a piece of paper or start typing down list of names of specific people you work with. That is, write down the name of people you directly report to, or write down your colleagues, or write down your boss's name. I recommend that you have at least five names of people in front of you as we go through these self-assessment questions. Why? Because it'll be real. I want you to think of Harry in accounting. I want you to think of Rahim, you know, in finance, you know, as we're going through this. 
All right, so here we go. So first, doing this self-assessment on how inclusive are you? I'm gonna ask you 10 questions on the following two slides. And from each of the questions, you'll pick from either the column on the left with your response, and your response will be, you always do this, or you sometimes do this, or never do this. And you can abbreviate A, S, or N. Or you'll respond with yes or no, the column on the right. So the first question is this. Have you spent time in the last year identifying your own personal biases? Have you spent time in the last year identifying your own personal biases? It'll be either yes or it'll be no. If you have a question, what do I mean by personal bias? Then it'll be a no. Okay, if it wasn't in the last year, then it'll be a no. Okay, and then number two, how often do you deliberately seek out and act on feedback from people with backgrounds that are diverse from your own? It'll be A for always, S for sometimes, or N for never. Again, keep in mind those five people you wrote down. Have this be real. Number three, you actively create environments that all team members experience being respected and included by one another. And when you sense even one person may not feel like they are part of the team, you check in with them as soon as possible. Yes, you regularly pay attention to that. And when you sense that someone might not be part of the team, you check in with them, or no, you don't. You actively create environments where people genuinely feel they can speak freely and explore differences productively. So always do that, sometimes do that, or you don't never do that. So that's number three, and then you see number four. I'll just pause there for you to catch up. Sorry about that, everyone. And number five, how often do you speak up when people behave in ways that are not inclusive or respectful of others? A for always, S for sometimes, N for never. Okay. Number six, you are seen by most of your colleagues as an advocate of inclusion at work. Yes, you are seen by most of your colleagues as an advocate or no, you're not. Seven, looking over your specific list of work colleagues, you've taken time in the last six months to discover something unique to them. Yes, you've done that in the last six months and you've discovered something unique to them or no, you haven't. Eight, in the last six months, someone at work has acknowledged you for being empathetic. Yes or no? And nine, you're confident in your ability to initiate conversations about sensitive topics as they arise in your organization. Always, sometimes, or never. And 10, you consistently view challenges around social issues in the workplace as opportunities to innovate, improve, 
and or include others. Always, sometimes, never. So we've gone over how inclusive you are. Let's now look at defining inclusive leadership, why inclusive leadership matters. So I'd like for someone to put in the chat, just how do you define inclusive leadership? Anybody? What's your definition of inclusive leadership when you hear that term? What's it mean to you? Just take a moment to write down, you know, how do you define inclusive leadership? And we'll give you a working definition here in a moment. Yeah, so we offer that, uh, let's start looking at in inclusive leadership, let's break it down. It all starts with inclusion. And inclusion, and this is from the Society of HR Management, inclusion is defined as the achievement of a work environment in which all individuals are treated fairly and respectfully, have equal access to opportunities and resources, and can contribute fully to the organization's success. So another practice you could take, you could look at your list of five people you work with. You could ask yourself, okay, if I look at every single one of them from their perspective, how inclusive would they say that they are? How much would they say, each of them say that they have an opportunity for all the resources and that they can contribute fully to the organization's success? You can be honest with yourself to see where you're at there. And from a business standpoint, you limit your customer base if you don't have an environment where all people experience being included and all people have the experience of, yeah, you know what? I feel at home here. So inclusion includes organizational efforts to make employees and customers of all backgrounds feel welcomed and equally treated. If you have an inclusive organization, organizational culture, people will feel respected and they'll feel valued for why they as an individual or group are here. And studies have actually shown that employees who feel welcomed are often much more committed to their work. They're often much more motivated and they're often, they have higher levels of employee engagement. So our definition that we're working with on inclusive leadership is here. And this is from Workable. They're a talent uh, and recruitment agency. So the definition that we're working with is inclusive leadership the capacity to manage and lead a heterogeneous group of people efficiently while respecting their uniqueness in an empathetic, bias-free way. Now, heterogeneous is a big word. I had to look it up. So it is uh, diverse in character or content uh, and using heterogeneous in another sentence is if you, uh, with many ethnic groups represented, the student body is very heterogeneous. So inclusive leadership, if you wanna see how inclusive of a leader am I, what's my capacity to manage people and also lead them, lead what kind of people? A diverse in character or content group of people, a heterogeneous group. And how effect, efficiently can I do that? And how do I do that while, while respecting their uniqueness in an empathetic and bias-free way? So, that's a uh, definition that gives me power, and I invite you just to dwell in that. And if we look at the importance of inclusive leadership, I want to uh, bring to you a couple of things from a couple of uh, different uh, Harvard Business Review articles that I found uh, very uh, enlightening. And this quote is from uh, Juliet Bork, author of Which Two Heads Are Better Than One? The Extraordinary Power of Diversity of Thinking and Inclusive Leadership and her a colleague, Andrea Titus. Inclusive leadership is an emerging, 
is emerging as a unique and critical capability, helping organizations adapt to diverse customers, markets, ideas, and talents. For those working around a leader, such as a manager, direct reporter, or a peer, the single most important trait generating a sense of inclusiveness is a leader's visible awareness of bias. But to fully capitalize on their cognizance of bias, leaders also must express both humility and empathy. So the point here that we really wanna focus on is self-awareness. We're gonna repeat ourselves here several times. Your ability to be aware of your bias. We all have biases. We have biases about what neighborhoods are good ones to live in. We have biases about hair color. We have biases uh, about cultures. And it's not bad or wrong that we have those biases. You wanna practice being aware of your biases so you can be responsible for them and they don't get in the way of your capacity to be an inclusive leader. So there's some warning signs and some unintended consequences. So part of that, studies show the impact of people who experience being included or not, in, not included. There's a decrease in job performance. One study showed that people's uh, job performance was 56% lower if they felt excluded. So they asked people, how included do you feel here at work? And then they looked at their job performance later in that same uh, research. And they found that those that felt included, they outperformed those who felt excluded by as high as 57% and actually performing their job. There's also an increased turnover risk. When people were asked, you know, how happy are you and do you plan to be with this employer a year from now? Those people that felt excluded said confidentially that they had plans to look for another job, you know, in the next six to 12 months. So if you have people that don't feel included, they, you'll have a higher turnover risk. And we all know that that takes time and money, you know, to train and recruit new people. And then there's an increase in sick days and the increase in sick days with people that report that they don't feel included, hey, I don't matter anyway, can be as high as 75% more than people who do feel included. So I want you to watch out for that. Now, here's another cut as to the importance of why inclusive leadership is important. And you can take this on as a warning. <clears throat> this is from author uh, Raheem Dillard in her Harvard Business Review article that she wrote. I'll show you here at the end. And what she said is many managers are ill-equipped to lead and connect with black, indigenous, and people of color, BIPOC employees. Until white leaders become skilled at bridging, which is connecting with people different from them, and BIPOC leaders become skilled at bonding, connecting with people similar to them, BIPOC employees will not experience workplace inclusion. Hundreds of socially conscious CEOs have engaged in CEO activism and pledged their commitment to advance racial equity and inclusion. But many leaders, white and BIPOC, white and black indigenous people of color, don't know the explicit behaviors needed to implement the desired change. And this is from How Inclusive Is Your Leadership? And we have right here when that article came out. So you wanna be aware of this. And what she went on to say, expanding on uh, Salwar Rahim Dillard's research, she went on to say that America is housing a racially traumatized workforce. 
she said many managers are ill-equipped to lead because they, they don't have the right skill set. She points out that one skill set that's missing is what she calls bridging. So white leaders and white leaders, uh, white male leaders, if you look at the uh, statistics, make up 85% of the CEOs and, and senior executives of the Fortune 500 companies. So she said bridging from white leaders to other cultures is critical to actually take this on and make any difference in the area of inclusive leadership. She also says that bonding is critical. So what's bonding? That's black indigenous people of color connecting with people that are similar to them. And she points out in her research that something that's, uh, that many people feel, but it's not often talk, talked about, is certain people of color have the experience that someone that is black or indigenous or another person of color, once they make it you know, to the, uh, the top office, they close the door behind them. You know, they're like, and they, there's a feeling of they've sold out, they've closed the door behind them, they're not helping others. And there are some people that feel that BIPOC leaders that have quote made it don't have the capacity to bond with other people that might be from a different socioeconomic group, might have different backgrounds. So I share these with you so you can actually be on the lookout for what, if anything, might be missing where I am as a leader to be really uh, up my capacity to be an inclusive leader. And then the third aspect that she says is a warning sign and can produce unintended consequences is mirroring. And that's where BIPOC, Black Indigenous people of color, seek to belong. And she points to and talks about that there's a code word for you, the person is not professional enough. And what it really means is that the boss is asking you to assimilate, to lose your own self-expression and fit in. And in her research, she talks about, uh, you know, she interviewed over, you know, hundreds of people in different organizations to look at the impact of how inclusive people are and how inclusive individuals are. And she talks about one black man who, uh, grew his beard, and he felt that he couldn't get ahead unless he mirrored the behavior that he thought his boss and his, cult and his senior bosses wanted him to have. So he shaved his beard. And, he and his words are, I still kept performing like I was performing before, like before. And then, you know, lo and behold, a couple months later, I got a promotion. And she went back and did the research, and she found that 100% of the other Black and people of color that were senior had no beards. Now that's not a big deal. You might say, well, what's the heck? You know, he's got to fit in. But what you're, what we are missing is people feeling that they have to give in or acquiesce and they can't be their full self. Not only talking about the beard. So we're saying, look to see which of these could be missing where you are. Is bridging missing in your organization? Is bonding missing in your organization or where you are? or is mirroring people uh, code switching, uh, feeling like they can't speak the one way that they do at home or with friends and they've got to speak a different way when they're in a work environment. Now we say this again, keep in mind that Brave Space poem that we, we started off at the top. I'm not trying to say this is the answer and I'm not trying to say the sky is falling. The context here is that you can actually take on what, what opportunities do I have to expand my capacity to be an even more effective, inclusive leader?
So now uh, I know we've covered quite a bit of ground here, you know, in these last uh, 40 minutes or so. And uh, remember that what we're not, what we're saying here is not the answer. Uh, if nothing else, if you come out of here thinking about and practicing what we're offering today, then today's been successful. So from the research that we've done and from our own experience working with different clients uh, over 20 years, here are some behaviors and traits that we've seen are there to be an inclusive leader. One trait is that they model authenticity, vulnerability, and cultural humility. So you, you can't fake it if you're being an inclusive leader. An inclusive leader is someone, if they say that they stand for this and everyone is respected and everyone has the experience of being known and uh, heard, then they're walking that talk. When they mess up, they're vulnerable enough to be straight about it. And they practice what's called cultural humility. Cultural humility, let's just take a moment and look at that. This is discovering people newly. And uh, cultural humility is a concept that was developed by medical doctors, Melanie Travelon and Anne Jan Murray Garcia in 1998. And they published an academic article in the Journal of Healthcare for the Poor and Underserved. And what they found was they had this question, how come some patients don't listen to their doctor's directions? And what they found is because some doctors weren't listening to their patients. When the doctor becomes authentically interested in the norms and the practices of their patients, they become better able to respect and communicate. For example, what, she, what they found in their research is doctors, hospitals had a policy that only one, uh, you know, the primary person could, uh, the spouse is the only person that could be in the, in the room when the doctor was giving, you know, that critical advice or the diagnostic diagnosis to the patient. And what they found in some cultures, and they were doing this research in a heavily uh, Latinx community, they found that, no, wait a minute, you don't understand in our culture, the whole family's gotta be here. Like we want everybody in the room, you know, we want everyone to hear it. So the doctors, after they did this research and they came up with cultural humility, they started taking on actively listening to other people, treating people not like this is our rule, this is our policy, really getting in other people's worlds. So cultural humility starts with respect and humility. And the three commitments one makes are lifelong learning. It's not like you're a doctor and you've made it, okay? You know all the answers. It's not like I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, champion and I stopped learning. I mean, I'm reading, I'm researching, I have coaches myself that I check in with. It's lifelong learning. Also, it takes critical self-reflection. You've gotta be willing to call one on yourself. You've gotta be willing to go through the types of assessments that we offered you at the top of this call. And you're advocating for institutional equity. You're advocating you know, for situations where uh, uh, you take out, for example, at the hospital, the policy of you know only one next of kin, you know because it's in the institution and for the most part people can have blinders on, but you're looking for okay what do we have to put in so that everyone regardless of their culture has the experience of being treated uh, equitably in our organization. All right, now I want you to think about go back to that self-assessment that we had, and given that we. Um, 
gave you the definition of inclusive leadership. And we said that that's the capacity to manage and lead a heterogeneous group of people efficient, efficiently while respecting their uniqueness in an empathetic bias-free way. And we went over, you know, watch out for this, the warning signs. And we talked about bridging. We talked about bonding. We talked about mirroring. We talked about the traits of an inclusive leader. All right. So that's one behavior, one trait of an exclusive, inclusive leader, excuse me, models, authenticity, vulnerability, and cultural humility. Another one is builds diverse, equitable, and inclusive teams. This one, you just look out and you look at what are the facts. Do you have the experience that you have actually built diverse, equitable, and inclusive teams? Another behavior and trait is amplifies the voices and empowers Black, Indigenous, people of color and groups that are historically underrepresented. And you are willing to take risk and push through fear with courageous actions. And now I'm asking you, what are some upcoming opportunities that you see where you could practice inclusive leadership? Given these behaviors and traits, what's an upcoming opportunity that you see where you could put, you could practice inclusive leadership? All right, well, here's some actions we um, are offering that you take on in practice. One is in the next week, find opportunities to identify additional personal biases. You know, you want to be seeking them out. Uh, I took my spouse, Yvonne. Um, well, I took her I, like I didn't take her. Yvonne and I went to dinner last night and I actually uh, noticed that I have uh, I had 20 some odd years in the hospitality industry. And um, the server came up with her iPad and she uh, apologized for the length of time it was taking for her to capture our order. And uh, she said, you know, this this darn thing keeps freezing up on me. And then I blurted out. I said, that's why I always believe in pen and paper. You know, like I like I just they just blurted out. So that's one of the biases that I saw that I have it from the old day days that, you know, that a good waiter can be present and can memorize what each person's order is. A good waiter, you know, will write it down and won't keep the customer waiting. And the server uh, left and uh, I told Yvonne, I said, oh my gosh, I'm turning into this crappy old man, you know? So I just, that's an opportunity, you know, use an opportunity to go for dinner to, uh, to identify uh, your own personal biases because we all have them. I have a bias for take care of the customer. Don't make it uh, their problem like that. Okay, or uh, another one is have a conversation with someone who thinks differently than you with the single purpose of listening attentively and learning something new about them. You know, talk to someone just for the sake of talking to them and learning something new and actually practice it uh, attentively listening. And then share something you learned today with someone else. Be authentic and be vulnerable. So those are some actions you can take on from today's workshop. All right, and then in closing, we uh, covered these items here. We covered self-assessment, how inclusive are you? We defined inclusive leadership. We said why inclusive leadership matters. We went over the warning signs and the unintended consequences. We shared with you the dominant traits of an inclusive leader. And then we left you with actions and tactics for you to consider practicing immediately. And then we said that the intended outcomes for today was that you discover how inclusive you are in your current role. 
You discover the warning signs and unintended consequences of failing to create and foster environments of belonging and inclusion in your organization. And you'd learn immediate actions you could take to leave people with an authentic experience of being included. Now the real work begins. Thank you for joining us on the Learn It podcast. We wish you well on your learning journey and see you next time.